We're looking together at Exodus chapter 19 today. That means we're in week four, day four of our look through the book of Exodus. And in chapter 19, it's an amazing chapter. God's going to prepare his people in specific ways to come before him at Mount Sinai, where he's going to give the law to Moses. And we see at the beginning of this chapter that the law, when it's given, is going to be given to a called, committed, consecrated people. Before he even gives the law, he calls, he commits, he consecrates his people. The people were called in verses 3 to 6. Listen to these verses. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words to speak to the Israelites. They were called. They were called to remember that God had freed them. What a great picture. You've been born on eagles' wings to this point. They were called to obedience. His voice was to be their direction, his covenant, the basis of their law. They were called to trust. You're my possession. You're a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. To understand the full meaning of what happened this day at Sinai, you have to understand that it's given to a people called to praise and obedience and trust in God. The people were called. The people were also committed this day in verses 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8, So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answers back to the Lord. They had this huge congregational meeting and the vote was unanimous. All that the Lord has spoken, we're going to do. The law is not forced on these people. It was chosen by them. Before God even gives them the law, he says, are you willing? And they say, yes. Individually chosen, we want to follow you. They were committed. They were called. The people were also consecrated that day. You can read about that all the way in verse 9 to 15 of chapter 19. Let me read for you beginning in verse 10, a couple of verses there. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready for the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. They were consecrated. They washed their clothes. Now, to consecrate is to make holy, to set apart. Moses was commanded to give them a three-day preparation, getting ready to hear what was going to happen on that mountain to remind themselves of the, of the special quality of a relationship that they would have with God. Even here when the law is given, it's not just about laws and rules and regulations. You see, it's about relationship with God. Now, they lost that over time. But this is all about a relationship with God and how we live it out. To understand what happened that day, you have to understand it was given to a people who were called and consecrated, who had committed themselves to God. But then to really understand this day, you have to see what happened in Mount Sinai. Called, committed, consecrated people, they come to Mount Sinai and listen to what happens in verse 12 and then verses 16 to 20. God says, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. 
The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. Wow. (laughs) You read these verses, it seems like the high point of the relationship of man of God in some ways in the entire scripture. You've got this mountain, you've got smoke, you've got earthquakes, you've got the voice of God. Unless you take a close look at the New Testament, you might be tempted to say that you and I as believers need to come to Mount Sinai in a sense, just as these people did. That we need to face the same kind of experience of call and commitment as they did. Oh, we need to be called. We need to be committed. But the experience of the life of freedom in Jesus Christ is entirely different from this experience. Hebrews 12, 18 to 24 teaches us that although you and I can learn something about the nature of the law from what happened at Mount Sinai, if you wanna understand the freedom that you have in Christ, you have to understand as a believer, well, here's what Hebrews says. As a believer, you don't come to Mount Sinai. You come to a place Hebrews calls Mount Zion. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 24. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they not, could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You've not come to Mount Sinai, that mountain where they received the law. You've come to a place called Mount Zion, a picture of heaven, a picture of relationship with God. And understanding as a believer the difference between Sinai and Zion is one of the keys to understanding your relationship with God as a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't come to Sinai, you come to Zion. Sinai was an unapproachable mountain. Zion is a living city. Sinai was a mountain that carried the death penalty for even touching it. Zion is a heavenly city and a new Jerusalem. The law presents to us at Sinai an unapproachable God. Grace in Christ has caused you and I to realize we live in the presence of God now. That's how we live. Sinai was a place of terror. Zion is a place of joy. Darkness and gloom and whirlwind on Sinai. People trembling, even Moses trembling. It says the whole camp trembled. That means Moses too. Versus in Zion, you've got the rejoicing angels. You've got the church set free. You've got people made perfect. Where would you rather be? Where would you rather be? As a follower of Christ, you come to Zion. The law inevitably pushed mankind away from God while grace inevitably draws us towards him. When Jesus is lifted up, he draws us towards him. Sinai was a place of fear. Zion is a place of confident assurance. At Mount Sinai, they heard words too terrible to hear and Moses was full of fear. But at Mount Zion, here's Jesus, the mediator, the go-between of a new promise, a new covenant, saving us through his blood. 
the law in the end makes us afraid of God because we know we deserve punishment. We see that we've broken the law. All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Grace, only grace, gives us assurance before God. We can live, you can live in joyous relationship with the judge of all eternity because Jesus is your mediator. He is your go-between. Now, you don't throw away the Old Testament. You learn from the Old Testament. But you also don't try to be an Old Testament follower of Jesus Christ. There are some who think that to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be afraid of God, to be in so in awe of God that you think him to be unapproachable. But the truth of the matter is, to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be in love with a father who sent a son to give himself for us and to realize you've been adopted by that father. You're in his family. There are some who think that to be a true follower of Jesus Christ means you are so serious about God that a smile never cracks your face. How could you smile in the face of the awe-filled wonder of the greatness and the terror of who God is? But the truth of the matter is, following Jesus Christ means joy. Jesus came to share the joy of who he is with us, and that joy extends all the way into eternity. Angels rejoicing with joy, and you and I rejoicing with joy. So anytime in your life, anytime in your life, you feel that somebody is telling you, hey, to be a real believer in Jesus, you gotta come to Mount Sinai. You gotta be afraid of God. You gotta let the law and legalism and these rules take more of a hold in your life. Anytime you hear them saying that, you remember these verses. You haven't come to Mount Sinai. You've come to Mount Zion. Jesus, you've called us, you've committed us, you've consecrated us for Mount Zion, a place of joy, a place of assurance, a place where we experience your presence. So I pray for myself, I pray for each of us, let us live in that place today, in your presence, in the assurance of your love, in the joy that results. Let us live in that place today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, join us tomorrow. It's Exodus chapter 20, and that means the Big Ten.